0: Take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 19, verses 18 through 20. It has been a glamour cruise for Paul in Ephesus. Joey and Tracy, y'all know about the Glamour Cruise now. They, they just got back from a cruise. They know what I'm talking about. It's been all perfect and wonderful, and the buffets were great, and every need was met. That's what it's been for Paul in Ephesus. And we're going to finish that this morning. And this morning, the cruise comes to an end. I mean, it, it, It's still great. They, they don't know the cruise is about to come to an end. Next week, the cruise comes to an end. This week, though, we're, we're wrapping up this for us it was a two part it's kind of a a two part sermon series it's really a a three part there actually a go back to uh, the, the beginning of 19 there are just a number of wow stories about Paul's ministry in Ephesus we're going to uh finish the the wow stories this morning possibly with the biggest wow ever now there was a an anniversary that you likely did not celebrate on Friday, uh, August the 8th, uh, or 9th rather. Uh, it was the 50th anniversary of the tate labianca murders committed by Charles Manson and the Manson family. I'm sure none of y'all went out to eat or anything on that event. That's okay. That's okay. It just, it struck me as I was wrapping up preparation last night, and I, here's, here's my uh, some of my method for sermon prep spend 10, 15, 20 minutes on a point pouring into that Okay, distract myself somewhere else for a few minutes this is why it takes so long honey uh, distract myself, kind of clear the head and, 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 and then go back now what I found last night was an article about the 50th anniversary of the, the Manson murders and I thought wow this is intriguing And so I just read it because I was curious. I didn't didn't expect to get anything out of it, really, other than useless facts for trivial pursuits someday. Um, What I found, though, was actually my sermon illustration, opening sermon illustration. See, many of the Manson family became Christians while in prison. I had no idea. I didn't know that. Uh, Catherine, Gypsy, Cher, those of you who are old enough, some of these names may ring a bell, I wasn't born yet. Just like throwing that out there. Catherine Gypsy Share uh, became a vic, uh, victim's advocate to those affected by cults. Uh, she became a Christian while in prison. Uh, I think she died just recently, if I read it correctly. Maybe, maybe she's still living. Um, Dennis Rice headed a ministry to uh, serve prisoners. He became a follower of Christ while he was at San Quentin. That's not easy to do. San Quentin's not the, the nicest prisons. That was no pleasure cruise in San Quentin. Uh, and he died in 2013, and until, that death, until his death, he headed a ministry to serve prisoners. Obviously, he didn't head that ministry after he died. Uh, Bruce Davis became a prison chapel preacher. He was considered Charles Manson's right-hand man in the, uh, in the Manson family. Uh, he's still in prison. Uh, but he's a preacher at the prison chapel. And then Charles Tex Watson, who was the lead murderer of the, the, the murders that happened on this, this night 50 years ago, uh, he founded Abounding Love Ministries in 1980. He became an ordained minister in 1981, and he's still in jail. But he, he says this, Today my time is spent sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in prison and through the ministry website. I have been solidly committed to full-time ministry almost since my salvation in 1975. Through these prison walls, the Lord has made a way for his testimony to be shared with thousands of people worldwide. Well, when I read that last night, I could not think of a better opening illustration, could not imagine a better opening illustration to talk about the extraordinary impact of our extraordinary God, the extraordinary impact we see here in our scripture this morning. We talked about last week God's extraordinary power, and, and we saw what it meant there. It was miracles by Paul's hands and then uh, sweat rags, basically, that were passed around. Uh, people were healed and demons were cast out by them, but it's, it's God's extraordinary power, really the power to save the worst of sinners, right? Right? to save those Manson people. Well, the power to save us, the same hell those Manson people were going to before they were saved, was the same hell we were going to before we were saved. It took no more effort on Christ's part to save them than it did to save me. God's extraordinary power to save the worst of sinners. We talked about God's extraordinary reputation Uh, We talked about the seven sons of Sceva, how that was misused, that reputation of Jesus' healing. Jesus' name and healing was misused, and uh, that reputation went out way ahead of Paul. And what we see is that the life of the believer in front of a lost world is God's extraordinary reputation. That's the reputation that should concern us and the reputation that has the most effect and that just leads naturally into this morning's message. God's extraordinary impact. There's no limit to the radical change salvation can and should bring to the individual. We see that in verses 18 and 19. We see the extraordinary impact on those four names from the Manson family. It would have been no less shocking or maybe only slightly more shocking, it would have been no more shocking, or maybe slightly more shocking, that's what I want to say, had Charles Manson accepted Christ. Uh, because these people were brainwashed. They, were, they believed Manson was Jesus. They believed, because he taught them, that they were the, uh, the apostles reincarnated. They believed those things. So for, that is an extraordinary impact. And we see a similar impact, very similar as a matter of, matter of fact here in Ephesus. See, it's God's extraordinary power that does the work, that brings about the extraordinary impact. It's God's extraordinary reputation that is burnished by the work. When someone comes to Christ that we all say, there's no way. God's reputation is increased, so the extraordinary impact is where we end up this morning and what we want to talk about. Read with me, Acts chapter 19, verses 18 through 20. Luke writes, And many who had become believers came confessing and disclosing their practices, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. So they calculated their value and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. In this way, the word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. We are going to ring as much out of these three verses this morning as we possibly can in the time that I have to do it. Verse 18 first. Many and many who would believers confessing and disclosing their practices and well that throws us back right to that whole episode of the seven sons of Sceva and uh, they see wow Jesus is not a magic word to throw around it's not just something that we use for power there's more here they saw that they saw the demon or heard about the demon saying Jesus I know Paul I'm familiar with but who are you and they attack they are thinking Alright, our little gifts, our, our abilities, our whatever you call this thing we do, we're doing, they don't match up. They don't, they don't reach the level and the heights of what this Jesus that Paul is talking about uh, does. So they respond to what they had seen. But notice what it says, many who had become believers... We're not talking about people here in this situation that saw what happened with the seven sons of Sceva and said, okay, I want to believe in this Jesus they're talking about. We are talking about people who had already believed a past-completed event. Preachers talk about Greek grammar, and I'm not going to get too deep, but there are ways to say things that happened in the past that continue to happen There are ways to say things that happened in the past that it happened and it's done. And it it, it has the effect forever. And that's what he says here. It happened in the past. Their salvation happened. And then it had its effect throughout the the future from that point on. This was a a past completed event. And Luke is wanting us to understand and make sure that that we get these people were saved. Their salvation was sure. These were believers that came after this episode that showed up that we were either there and saw it, possibly, or heard about it and said, you know what? We might need to do some self-examination here, folks. Wouldn't that be nice if we all did that? We might need to look at ourselves and where we are and what we're in and what we're involved with and what we're doing. Maybe there's some things we need to, uh, to straighten up. And that's what they came doing. Many who had become believers came confessing, Scripture says, admitting their guilt, Telling the group, telling the people we were wrong. This, this is a group of believers showing up to a group of believers and they are disclosing to each other their sinfulness. We don't do that. But scripture tells us to confess your sins one to another. We're told to do it, but we don't. Y'all don't do it because cause pride. I don't do it because I I'll get fired. I mean, that's the truth. It's the way we are, and, 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 and y'all, you know, we all, we, we have this, we want people to have this good impression of, oh, I don't struggle with that personally. No. Oh, I mean, I know somebody who does. Uh, for, I'm asking for a friend. All right? That's what we put on social media. I'm asking for a friend. We don't confess to one another. These believers came disclosing to each other their sinfulness. A couple of things are going to happen here when you do that. One, you're going to be freed from it. One, it, it, it is a, an opportunity for you to say, this is something that I struggled with. And who knows, you may be talking to somebody who struggles with the same thing, and their response is gonna, not going to be, oh, you hypocrite, I never thought you'd get it. But their response might be, how did you overcome it? Because I need help with that who knows what kind of blessing came from that i mean if we read the next verse we we probably i mean the next passage we can see maybe how that uh, grew and and built in the church but then the second thing that comes from it is accountability i know you you've been you 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 gave that up you confessed that you told me how's that going how's that struggle because it's a struggle, right? I mean, it's not something you just, you've just you done this all for these years and suddenly, boom, you're done. And, and it happens that way. I'm not discounting the miracle of that. It does happen. We are able. We all know stories of people that had a, a drug habit or alcohol or some other habit and they just decided, I am done with this. They dropped it. Christ killed it, it was over, and they never looked back. And those are wonderful stories they they give us hope that maybe there's something like that in our lives that will happen too, but the other is also true that sometimes we struggle and we struggle and we struggle and we struggle to kick the habit. And that's when we need those other believers in our lives come alongside us and encourage us so those two things certainly happened i believe as these believers disclosed this uh the this guilt to each other but what were they confessing in this case they were practicing these magic arts and i put magic in quotation marks because there was no magic to it it was fake and they were, knew it and they were lying and they were they were charlatans and they were making money off of it but they confessed it um there is uh, I have not read his book. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Costi—that's his first name, C-O-S-T-I. Costi Hinn. Now that last name might ring a bell for you. His uncle, if I remember correctly, somebody nod if you know the the, the truth. Okay, his uncle was Benny Hen, or is Benny Hen, one of the biggest charlatans out there for healing and 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 word of faith and and those things. Um, Costi wrote a book decrying all that, saying this is not true, this is not correct. Uh, he, he, he said, you know, he put the the magic of those TV preachers in quotation marks. He, he came in and he, he confessed it, uh, basically, to the, the people. Um, that was what he was what they were doing they they were confessing that they were charlatans that they did not have this power that they were still as believers right as believers caught in this web of uh, the, 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 the spells, the 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 demonic uh, hold, I don't believe that you can be saved and have a demon at the same time, but I do believe that we can be saved and still be tempted and drawn and in some ways, uh, I don't want to use the word controlled because we're free of that, but we can suffer from it, from their attacks. So they were still, it was just really their flesh, right? That's what Paul says. It's just our own flesh still wanting to do the things we had all, always done and that's what they were involved in believers doing this do not miss this do not miss that these were saved people doing things that the rest of us good christians would have gone i can't believe they're doing that they can't be saved i know nobody in here has ever said that about somebody but i in, probably in other churches some people have said that and that is what was happening Believers were caught in sin. Gasp. We act like none of us sin when we see other people sinning. Provided it's the sins that we don't like. They came confessing, but they, he uses another word here. He, he says they came divulging is uh, what, or disclosing is what my translation says. Uh, a, another word for that is divulging. They were giving away the secrets. I told you last week, I love watching the little magic shows where they explain the magic trick. Because I know it's a trick. I know they're fooling me. I know it. They, they've got me looking here when I should have been looking there, and all that. I know it. One of my uh, I love watching those. One of my other favorite shows to, to watch was there was a show, and just so that I'm not giving them uh, airtime or anything, I won't mention their names. But you, you could do come on the stage and do a magic trick, and the two guys would watch you. And if they could figure it, couldn't figure out your trick, you could be on there in their Las Vegas show. And if you did figure out the trick. Or they did figure out the trick i mean you were still they were impressed and they'd say oh man that was a great trick but uh you know i loved watching that too of course, they would never say how the trick was done they wouldn't tell us but but they they knew it right because they knew all most of the tricks they could watch it and say okay yeah he put it back here and he had it there and it was in his shoe and we looked you know they knew how those things were going on well these folks show up and they're telling all the secrets yeah, this is fake and this is fake and this is fake. This word here, that doesn't mean anything. That's just letters put together. But, you know, they bought it. That's what they were divulging this. The, for, for them, the power of the magic, quotation marks, the magic, was the secret. The, you, you tell the secret, you've lost the power. A public spell for them was a useless spell. So they confessed that they're caught up in this. And that would be Okay. I mean, you could, you could come out of the mafia, come out of the mob and say, I was in the mob, I don't want to do that anymore, I found Jesus, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm done with that. That's one thing. But to tell all the mob secrets? Sleeping with the fishes. I mean, that takes guts, that takes boldness. That would be an extraordinary impact, wouldn't it? You might see where I'm going with this. So they confess their uh, their sin, they divulge the secrets, and the, the Bible uses the word practices. Normally that word just means deeds. We know we're talking about uh, magic spells in this case, but again, notice they did not give this up at salvation. Now, this is not me up here saying, get saved, don't worry about giving up your sin until later. That ain't what I'm saying. Don't go telling people that is what I said. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that... Giving up sin is a process of sanctification done by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we see in Scripture. We see the Holy Spirit working on these believing Ephesians caught in the magic spell industry of Ephesus. And as they... Intermission over. As they move forward in their sanctification, they begin to lay off every encumbrance that would hold them back, Hebrews tells us. You you know what this is? You know what the big word we use in church is? Discipleship. Y'all this is go grow. This is what we've been talking about now For a few months, we're going to be continuing to focus on, focusing on, we are sanctified as we are discipled. We are sanctified as we spend time with other believers, as we confess and divulge our practices to other believers and leave them behind. Don't leave this morning without noticing the order that it's justification, their salvation, and then sanctification. We don't ask anybody. And you better never ask anybody to clean up to come to church. You come to church and let Jesus clean you up. That's the way it works. You come to church, you give your heart to Jesus, he does the cleaning. We catch fish, he cleans them. Isn't that the way we'd rather fish anyway? Well, that's the way it works in the Christian life. We catch them, he cleans them. It's all that we do. We see an extraordinary impact continue in verse 19. We see that they have this, uh, it says, while many of those who had practiced magic collected their books and burned them in front of everyone. We see a complete disassociation from their past. They are leaving it now all behind. They are quite literally, except it's books, not a bridge, they are burning the bridge. They're, 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 they're doing what oh was it Cortez one of the conquistadors when they got to for them the new world people have been living here for thousands of years uh, th- for them the new world they burn the ships you, we're not going back folks we're staying that's what these people are saying we're not going back we are staying they were no longer going to be a part of that which took the Lord's name in vain and now we begin to see right here the true exposition of what that commandment means taking the lord's name in vain does not mean my god i mean it 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 can and and that is a misuse of the lord's name very similar in in a sense to what the seven sons of scava did with it but what taking the lord's name in vain means is to take the label and not live up to the label that's what taking the Lord's name in vain means. And what they realized is that they were no longer, or at least that they were, and they were no longer, going to have the Lord's name, but try to live in the world as if that label had not changed them. Now they are going to live a changed life. No longer are they carrying the Lord's name in vain. What they did here, what we see in this passage, is a dramatic removal of, of that which would appear, I say appear, that which would appear to reduce God's power or tarnish his reputation. It's what we talked about last week. People see Christians, they hear the message that God can change you and make you a better person, and then they see Christians on social media talk about other people as trash or animals instead of being creations made in the image of God into which God breathed his very breath. And they say, I don't want to have anything to do with your Christianity if that's what we see of Christians. And these people said, we're going to remove that. Dramatically, they removed that. Anything that would look like God's power is lessened or his reputation is hurt. For them, it was these uh, these magic books. For us, it might be something very similar in our use of belief in or sharing of horoscopes. And these aren't as popular anymore, but Ouija boards were a big deal when I was a teenager. And, and all these little dabbles in the occult and in the spirit world that we say oh it's just it's just play things. and and in a lot of ways i get it i understand they are but in a lot of ways too the world looks at it and says we don't consider that a plaything. we know that that's something i don't know anything about them but enneagrams is that how you say it Enneagram, enneagrams Where are my millennials um yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've seen some stuff that says that that was based on some iffy things, and and, and, I, and I, I'm, I I get oh it's oh Michael it's just fun it's just and I understand that argument, but what does the world say about it? And that does matter. If the world looks at it and understands it to be something that is, in any way, anti-Christian then is that something we want to present to the world from the church? And I'm not going to jump off into legalistic stuff, and I want to be careful even talking about that, that I'm not, because then somebody's going to bring up dancing. Um, Or or cards. Or dominoes. Which we're playing Friday night here in the fellowship hall. Because we we can get too far, right? I get it. I get it. So... But still, we don't want to dabble in things. We certainly don't want to embrace wholeheartedly things that we are know without a doubt, as these things were, are contrary to God's will and his word. And so those are the things that we avoid. But it might be things that we have to give up. For them it was this. I've got a list. May it's family that we have to disassociate from because they no longer edify us. They no longer present the the face of a Christian when we're around them. And we need to say, no, we need to step back from that. Friends that are like that. Jobs we have to give up. I knew of a guy uh, one time who... Became a believer, I, I think, fairly late, late in life. I mean, he was my age at the time or a little older, and so he was like late 20s, early 30s. He, was, uh, he, he became a believer, and he was manager of the restaurant at a strip club. Of course, he's looking at the fact, I support my family with this, but I can't do this anymore. Well, I mean, all of us good Christians sitting here immediately go, well, he should have quit his job. Well, you weren't the one depending on the money, were you? And he struggled with it, and I think eventually he did get a new job. But he had—he knew, I've, I've got to get out of this. This is not where I should be, clearly. And, and there may be jobs like that that we have. Political groups. Every one of you in here is a part of a political group that you should never put more tr- faith and trust in than the word of God. Now, I said every one of you, so I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat or a, uh, Independent or somewhere in between, somewhere further off, I, I, it doesn't matter. If your faith and your trust, if, if your political group presents an image of God that is contrary in any way to what the scripture says of God and how we should treat people, then you should disassociate yourself from that political group i nearly as many amens there as I... No, I got as many as amens there as I expected. Never mind. Habits. Language. I'm not talking about whether you speak English or French or German. You know what I mean. Beliefs. Traditions. Actions. Media. These are all things that as believers that there will come a day that Jesus will not suggest but demand we bring them to the center of town and we burn them publicly in the presence of everyone. He will demand that we make a bold public statement of our radical change. That is exactly what they did here. This was a bold public statement of their radical change. Everybody around them was going, Oh, my Zeus. What are they doing? It's Ephesus. Oh my Artemis. That was their favorite goddess there. They couldn't believe it. This was huge. This was extraordinary. That they were doing this. And they did it regardless of cost. Fifty thousand pieces of silver, they tell us the value of these books. Uh, that, that is apparently just the physical value of what they burned. Just that amount was 137 years of an average worker's wages if he worked every day without a day off. 137 years. Uh, 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 it would have been a drachma, probably, and that would have been a day's wage. 50,000 of them would be 137 years. Yes, I did use a calculator. But then you have the value of the income that those things brought. Remember, a known spell is a useless spell. And they divulged the spells. So they gave up the value of the book, the scroll, and the value of that scroll to their very livelihood. In a very real sense, it was a uh, rather a very real possibility. My children will go hungry because of what I did today. Who among us is willing to starve our children for Jesus? Potentially starve our children for Jesus. Oh, Jesus would never ask me to starve my children. Would he ask you to quit a job when you don't have anything to do afterward? It's possible very possible. God would never put me in a position to harm my children. Would he call you to a mission field where death was a very real possibility, not just for you, but your entire family? Um, Absolutely. There was huge value in what they gave up. They didn't question it. Not to mention, here they are doing this publicly kind of in the town square, so to speak, there was this huge loss of personal reputation. Look at these kooks. You know how much? Okay, fine. You, you want to give up the whole magic business? Great. Sell those things. You could have made money off of that. You could have even tithed. And they said, no, no, this is, we are burning this. This was Extraordinary. I think I'm making a point with that word. There is nothing so great, so important, so valuable, so cherished, or so essential that it can't be given up for Jesus. It's not in your pocket, it's not parked in your garage, it's not attached to your garage. It's not your source of income, it's not your offspring, it is nothing. There is nothing that is so great in our lives that we cannot give it up for Jesus. Every one of our children, when we were blessed with them, we gave to the Lord. To use as he sees fit. And and, and that means, and and I'll tell you the hardest one uh, was the idea that as we were expecting to know complications happen right to know that even if that's what he chose to do in our lives we would give him that before they were even born we gave him our kids for him to use as he sees fit and i don't know what what that means it's that's a scary thing i'm not giving any of y'all a blank check to my account can not do much with it, but I'm still not going to give it to you. And yet, that's what we are supposed to do with God. Blank check here. Here's, my, here's that kid's check, that kid's check. Here's my house. Here's, here's, here's my wife. Here's everything I have, Lord. It is yours. If we are not willing to give it up, it's idolatry. Pure and simple. Whatever we say we will not give up for God is something we worship in the place of God. Can't get away from it. There's no denying And the extraordinary impact on their lives is that they gave it up. Verse 20. In this way, the word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. The word of the Lord flourished and prevailed. And we kind of get the, the kicker to the extraordinary impact here. That was the, uh, the impact... And the whole purpose, the whole reason that the, the sweat rags healed people, the whole reason that the demon responded, I know Jesus, I'm familiar with Paul, I don't know you, and beat up the dudes that were trying to use the name incorrectly. The whole reason that these believers came and, and burned their, their magic books was so that other people would have the same reaction when they heard the story. That was why Luke put this here. This is why he tells us. So that the story has an extraordinary impact on other people. Because what happened was people came to Jesus. Paul healed people with sweaty rags. And people came to Jesus. The sons of Sceva came and and misused Jesus' name. The demon responded. Everybody heard about it, and people came to Jesus. People who had been believers and had been slowly being sanctified by the Holy Spirit in their lives and other believers around them came and burned their books, their livelihood, their valuables in the public square to show people that this is what it means to follow Jesus. And what was the response? Not people said, Well, I don't want any of that. They said, We want some of that. People came to Jesus. That's the impact. That is the point. And when we show God's power, when we live out his reputation, when we or when others see the impact it made on us, people come to Jesus. Verses 11 and 12, God's extraordinary power was experienced. His extraordinary power was seen by people. And they they were a part of it. And they were like, wow, this is amazing. This is incredible. In verses 13 through 17, God's extraordinary reputation was exemplified. They would heard this story. And then they saw, they heard the story about Jesus. They heard this guy Paul talking about this Jesus, and apparently these other guys did too. And they thought they were going to misuse it. Did you hear the story? Did you hear what happened? That rep- reputation that they'd heard about the power of the name of Jesus was exemplified. Uh, uh, was not uh, exemplified not the way they expected it, and that it was just something to throw around and use. But instead, it was exemplified in the in, in the demon saying, "I know who this is, and you're not him." And people. We were afraid, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high esteem, the end of verse 17 says. And then finally, this morning, God's extraordinary impact was expanded. He had an extraordinary impact right there and among that small group. It started with those 12 ish. Disciples of John the Baptist that Paul met when he first went to Ephesus. And it grew from there. And now it has grown to the entire city. And as we read back at the beginning of the chapter, as a matter of fact, it had grown into. All of Asia, verse 10 tells us, everyone, Jews and Greeks, had heard this message. That's the extraordinary impact of a church that lives the power, that exemplifies the reputation of God, and then shows the world what can happen when Jesus takes over our lives. That is an extraordinary impact. That is God's design for his church. That's God's design for this church, to live in such a way, to show God's power, to exemplify his reputation, and then to see the impact that can be had. That's why we exist. Why don't we do it? If that's God's design, I bet y'all know the answer. Sin. See, this is a gospel presentation. This is also a reminder to believers, reminder to the church that we have a design, we have a purpose as a church, and when we do not the, fulfill the purpose, it is sin. And so we can parallel this morning. I, I'm talking to believers. As, as we do not fulfill the purpose and, and fulfill God's design, I'm talking to unbelievers who know that their lives are uh, not what they would want, certainly not what they should be. See, God had a design. He had a design for his church to go out and share the gospel with the world. And when we don't, when we sin, it leads to brokenness. Folks, it leads to a broken church. When the church doesn't fulfill God's design because of sin, the church is broken. And we will have a number of ways to fix that brokenness. We just need more tithing members. We need to quit losing people. We need to uh, repaint the halls. We need to smooth out the, the, the parking lot we need to do this, we need to do that, we need to up this program, we need to do that program. We need when probably what we need to do is just stop sinning. Because all those ideas while they're great, they generally just lead to more church brokenness. In our lives as an unbeliever, we we think we can fix the brokenness that sin causes in our lives. We think we can uh, uh, do the things that are going to make life better and, and we'll do it with drugs or, or, or alcohol or self-help or all these things. We're going we're to fix the problem and inevitably it only leads to more brokenness and what we find, church the only thing that fixes the brokenness of a broken church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we ever tire of hearing the gospel, we've tired of being the church. If that news ever gets old, it's no longer good. And we are no longer the church. Church, if we want to fix the brokenness in our church, we must get back to the gospel. And that means in our individual lives, and that means in sharing it. It's not programs, and it's not more members, it's not more this, it's not more that. It is sharing the gospel, reaching the lost world. You want our church to grow? Reach lost people. We will grow. I guarantee you, I will bet my job, literally, on it. That if we reach lost people, our church will grow. If we reach lost people, the brokenness will begin to heal. Isn't that counterintuitive? Well, Michael, you're just going to bring more broken people into the church. I know! Isn't that great? That broken people would come and hear the message of how they could fix their broken lives. Isn't that church? And we would heal if we would repent, church, of our sins and believe that the gospel is all we need as a church. Unbelievers, you want to fix the brokenness in your life? Believe the gospel, that Jesus Christ died for you. Perfect life died for you was buried, rose again three days he, 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 later. He, he, he did everything he said he would, be, he, he would do. He was everything he said he was. And you need to place your faith and trust in him. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. Because that, that repentance is there. I mean, if we move on as a church without repentance, I don't believe God's going to bless that. If we try to have Jesus as Savior without repenting of our sins, he's not going to have that either. Not going to happen. And then we begin to recover and pursue God's design as a church we begin to, when when the gospel is all that matters, the gospel is all we need and that is our purpose and we begin to recover that and pursue that by sharing the gospel and seeing unbelievers come to Jesus, seeing the brokenness healed in our world, whether it's the brokenness of hunger or poverty or whatever, when we begin to meet needs in the name of Jesus with the gospel and a cup of cold water, with the gospel and a loaf of bread, we will see a church healed Unbelievers, when you believe and repent and you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you begin to see God's design in your life and you begin to see how you fit into his plan. And He begins to change you. And some things will take time, like these folks. And some things, it'll be like he flipped a switch in your life and you never go back. That is extraordinary impact. Pray with me. Father, we thank you that you still work in extraordinary power, that your extraordinary reputation has not changed, and you have still called this church right here at the corner of Huntington and whatever to be a place of extraordinary impact in your world. God, thank you you still have a plan for us. Thank you that you're still an extraordinary God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.